Oh, I got his ass now. You have to be fast in the track. I hate that guy. This race can change the rest of your life. My bottle got stretched a little bit. I got a tight little butt. I'm about to light this shit up. Today. Yeah. Right. Uh, we don't start dialing at 9.30 because our clients are already answering the phone. Three, two, one, let's fuck! Coffee Chatter, show number 139 with our good... Good bro, good friend, Mr. Corporate, Mr. Business, all-around great guy, Justin Posey. Awesome, awesome show we just recorded with MT. What would you think? Love me some Corporate Poe. He's just he's such a great dude. Yeah, I love chatting with him. Got a really cool story through his career, too, as you, you guys will listen here in a few minutes. Um, but, yeah, really enjoyable show. I Obviously, I knew, knew he went through his back injury and everything and knew he um, struggled after that. But it was um, I've always been curious because I never heard it directly from his perspective. So it was cool to hear about, um, about everything he went through in his career and everything. And, yeah, just, just chat, chat some shit. So it was um, yeah, a good show. You guys will enjoy it. There's a lot of It's always something – I always like listening to what people take away from their circumstances, from their – um, issues they've had or things they've gone through and it was fun to listen to the things that he took away from it and like looking back on it what he thinks now and all that stuff and I won't give it all away um, let people listen to it yourself and find out but really good like once again a guy with a great perspective on things so James now that um, you've obviously like you're still racing clearly obviously yeah we're best friends you you know my retirement story you've heard post, like you, you've talked with a lot of riders now that have like gone through their career and retired um, especially because we're close. We've talked about it, like mine a lot. What is like, from your perspective, is it interesting hearing from retired people that are like, that are like, we're all kind of around the same age, like in terms of perspective, or whatever, like, is it interesting to hear? Curious what you, about your perspective? I really, like, I enjoy hearing the stories and hearing people's perspectives. I mean, I think at the start, a lot of the things we would hear from people were a little shocking um, because I was kind of learning what different mm-hmm. people thought, what different perspectives, like what life was and whatnot and having like that balance we always talk about in life. Nowadays, it's more, I expect it more from certain people because like I feel like like Posey, I feel like he has a great head on his shoulders. So mm-hmm. hearing his retirement story, his perspective and all that, like it just seems like, it seems like him because it seems like he, he, he has his life outside of BMX now and he just seems set. So it doesn't really surprise me. Um, is that kind of what you're asking or is like me like how do i feel about it yeah yeah and like have you learned anything from listening to people that have like around our age that have retired i def i think i have i mean the one thing it's like no matter when even when you think you know things like i always thought i knew okay you need to have balance or like when i was younger i didn't care about balance i just wanted to go all in like i understand the both sides of that now i think which is mm-hmm. different um i don't know if i put both into into play as well as I could but understanding both sides understanding like I think the old I've learned a lot like the older I, I get things change like I, I've started to learn a lot like I do I do things a little differently and I try to do things a little differently um, with balance taking care of my body just being a little bit older um, but I also still try to take some of the things now from the younger kids or what I used to do back in the day where it's like um, kind of going all in when you're when you're in it in that sense, like when I'm, when I'm riding, whatever, I just, that's all I do. It's all I care about. It's all I think about. 
when I'm away from it, really try to just do something else, which I still have a hard time stepping away completely. Um, but I have enough, enough other hobbies and friends to do other things. So yeah, I mean, that's a tough question to yeah. answer sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool to listen to everyone's journey. Like how, what led them to retirement. It's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed listening to supposedly talk to us about his. Yeah. I, what inspires me is hearing things like, um, like the injuries and stuff that he's gone through and he was still able to continue and find the drive and whatnot. Like that stuff always inspires me. Um, thankfully mm-hmm. so far in my career, knock on wood, like going through, I haven't gone through the injury, some of the things that he's gone through. Um, yeah. but also I've gone through my own things where it's like, it starts to weigh on you at times, but like hearing other people's stories and kind of what I feel inside is like, mm-hmm. I, there's still a fire in there. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I completely get that. Yeah. Um, in other news, rumor has it, no one's picked number 49 as their career number. Rumor what has it. That? Low key rumor, low key rumor coming out of the, uh, the archives right now from us. <laughs> Not stoked. Man, we were really I hoping somebody really, would take it. Dude, I was really fucking... I was honestly really excited for someone else to have it. Do you think that we talked it out of existence instead of talking it into existence? Do you think we talked about it so much that nobody wanted to be that guy? I think what happened was, first of all, all the guys, like all of you guys that went to the Olympics, pretty probably kept your crew numbers. There's mm-hmm. only a few other people that are going to actually pick one. Mm-hmm. And so they maybe just kept the same ones or just... Yeah, because there's such like a a tiny amount of people that actually get to pick like a brand new one. Yeah, no, that's true. And yeah, do you think you're so re- you're still recent enough in the sport that people don't want to pick a number that could be associated with somebody else too? Think that's a thing? I don't know, but fucking pick the number, somebody. <laughs> somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you gonna cheer for now? Now I gotta wait. I gotta wait three long years until the next ones get reset, in the hopes that somebody might pick it. <laughs> uh, hopefully somebody does. Really hope somebody. Does. Maybe yeah. No, hopefully somebody does. So. Do you think someone picked Giraffe's forty-eight? Oh no, he gets to keep. Yeah. Okay, we weren't sure about this. Does he get to keep it then, even though he's retired? Should we just text him right now? Hey, did you did you pick a career number just to pick one, even though you retired? Yeah. How does that work? I don't know if how that works. Like, I don't know if he like, yeah, would have chosen one. He probably could have, like we talked about this last show, like just you retire, but you still probably can pick a number. He probably, he probably didn't do anything. Just left it. Probably. So, but I nobody probably that. took it. I don't think. Yeah. We'll see. Um, Shoot. I'm interested to see the list, I guess. If there's any, in, in if there's any uh, new numbers, I'll be interested to see. We're going to have to break it down when it comes out for sure. Just yeah. keep an eye out on like 15 um, BMX. They post stuff like before it even comes out somehow. Sometimes like I don't even know things are like public and then all of a sudden they're posting about it. So you just follow them, you figure it out. Dude, 15 BMX just does God's work in BMX. I don't know where they get the news. It's unbelievable how fast they can break it. You know, like the speed at which they get it out, it's it's ridiculous sometimes. <laughs> it's ridiculous how fast. Like I'll read something on there. Like how did you, like how? How, when did this come out? How did you put it out so fast? How did you put an article up and then get it on Instagram as fast as you just did? I know. They do uh, They do good work at 15. Yeah. Not to mention they're obviously really supportive of our show, which is cool. Yeah. Um, the other people um, that do a really good job in this world is uh, ProGate Europe. And they winning starts with a great gate with MT. South Park 2014, Justin Posey won Elite Men Day 2. Great starts. And he, uh, he loves a good ProGate Europe. He knows winning starts with a great gate. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta win with the great gate. You gotta start with the great gate. He practiced 
on a great gate. Yep. A lot of times in Chula Vista, he was out there practicing on their multiple pro gate Europe's because they just, they know what gate to put on those tracks. They don't buy some rinky dink jank gate out there. They put the pro gate Europe's out there. They really do. They really do. Um, this weekend I watched the men's slope style and I know you watched it too. Yeah. Boy, was that exciting. Holy smokes. Hey. Yeah. That was some good Olympic, a good Olympic stop right there. That was sick. It's really fun when you got multiple Canadians that are just top guys in the world, just throwing down absolute bombs over the jumps. Like really fun to watch. Really exciting. Um, like you kind of put in here too, the judging sports like this though, a judge sport, man, it's tough sometimes because I feel like some, like as a fan, you feel like they get it wrong sometimes. And I think there's other people that would agree. It's just crazy. Yeah. They're so inconsistent. And I feel like you kind of have to see what they, what they're looking for in a sense. Like, you guess you probably know, like, difficulty of tricks and everything, blah, blah, blah. But I would think it's not consistent, like, from their due tour events and X Games to Olympics. I feel like it's not consistent across the board. And I could be wrong because I don't know. But it, it seems fairly inconsistent. Um, so the Canadians, like, Max Perot won and Mark Morris was third. Congrats to both those two dudes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I think um, we can get, get Mark on the pod. So, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Mark McMorris is a goddamn national treasure. Absolutely, he is. He is a fucking Canadian hero. He really I, is. Just an absolute icon. He really is. Um, but in watching the run, so again, I don't know the tricks. I don't know, like, I don't know degree of difficulty. Like, I really don't. But if I'm watching, I thought McMorris' third run was better than Perot's winning run, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I think that was fair. Like, I... I thought his second run was pretty damn flawless. I think he made a mistake on the rails or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought he was, I was in my head praying for a 91 to go first and beat pros 90 or whatever. He got like, and so I was hoping for 91. Didn't really expect it. I was expecting at least an 88, 87. Like that would put him in a second at the time. Yeah. And he got like a fucking 80, which was way down the table comparatively speaking to what I thought I I was going to be. And, uh, so we talk about like there are announcers in these sports that are like good and bad or whatever. In the freestyle snowboarding, they have McMorris's brother, Craig, right? Mm-hmm. Craig, he legitimately is great at what he does. He breaks down the tricks very well. It seems like he understands what tricks are hard, what's not, and he says it on on air. Obviously, he's probably a little bi- biased towards his brother, but every time, like even if it's some guy from China that threw down, like he was like going wild for how crazy his run was and it was a high score run so he clearly knows what he's talking about and both times McMorris seemed to stomp his runs they were going wild in the booth thinking like that was a contender for first and it just wasn't really even close I know like I thought his tricks were better than Perot's tricks in the two runs that they counted mm-hmm. um yeah but it clearly it didn't get marked as high but I'd, I'd like to know why like because in my mind the trick McMorris were doing looked more technical than pros tricks. They were both really clean runs and really good, but yeah, yeah I don't know. I just, I think in Mark's, both of Mark's run, he had one kind of little fault. I think the second run, or the, I guess the first of his, it was his second run technically. Second run, thought he made a mistake what is on the rails or something maybe. Just like a minor slip up. And then his yeah. last run, he kind of hand planted the, like the second to last jump. And that was it mm-hmm. though. But his, his tricks otherwise were just as good or better than pros. So it's weird. I don't know. I would love to know how the judging works because, like you said, the inconsistency is crazy. And at the Olympics, you never yeah. know how they do it because of all of the events that are going to be different. Unfortunately, it's the Olympics that often is the outlier, different one. Yeah, totally. But what I do like about that sport, they were all fucking sending it. 
because you get three runs, all you have to do is get one to hit. And they knew like the level of, of the snowboarding or the riding was so high that like they would have had, like they all had to do something like amazing to get on the podium. And so it's like, well, you might as well send it. Who gives a shit if you get fourth or 11th? Like it really doesn't matter. Yeah. You might as well just try and get like one gnarly run to hit. And the guys that, the guys that meddled, they all like had sick runs. They absolutely threw down. They just went yeah. for it too. Yeah, it really did. God, that was so sick. Yeah, it would be it would be like us having a like three lap time trial. You take your best lap. So it's like you yeah. just if you if you fuck up two runs, you're not gonna like go easy the last run. You're just gonna lay it on all on the line, and that's what everyone was doing. It's just man, is it exciting to watch? Yeah, you'd have to just yeah, you have to just fucking send your run. Can you imagine if we had three time trials? You just pick your best one, and that was a sport. Yeah, oh my god, you'd be riding the absolute limit the entire time. Yeah, you would, and it wouldn't matter. Like you just three chances you just go for it who cares if you like you really do you just because in our sport too like if you were to get on the podium at the olympics in the time trial you would have to have a really good lap, like near perfect like, yeah exactly yeah gosh those times would be so close these days holy <laughs> oh my god would they ever yeah although i still think there'd be a there would be a decent separation between like the very very top echelon and then like kind of like the next group i think yeah for sure yeah you'd have to agree. yeah there would be a just straight yeah. up just be faster yeah yeah but that'd be that'd be really exciting. I would like to see that. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? Yeah. Um, we also got into the mixed curling. My mom was getting super hyped watching the mixed curling. Team Canada was against Italy yesterday, and it's funny. Like I've never watched curling otherwise. <laughs> the Olympics, dude, it was super intense. Did you watch it? Not at all. But I just saw you put this in there, and I was laughing. Dude. I was like, how do you get into curling? Was it really that it went, exciting? It went to an extra end, and Canada had the last rock, and they tried to die it in the center, and it was like sudden death between Canada and Italy. And it was so close between the two rocks. They had to bring like the measuring thing out and they had to measure it a few times. And it took a few minutes because it was like literally Italy won by like a millimeter. No fucking way. Hey, dude, it was seriously like a millimeter. <laughs> that is, that's exciting. Okay. When it comes down to that, that is exciting. Curling's one of those things I don't think I could watch, but you got to think it'd be pretty fun to play. It's like bocce ball yeah. or like lawn bowling or whatever. Yeah. It'd be, they're fun to play. <laughs> I find it kind of comical how big it is in Canada. Like curling is just huge in Canada. Dude, I mean, it's, just... it's it's bigger than not bigger than the Olympics, but like it's all over Sports Center right now. I can't get it off my Dude, TV every time I, I turn Sports Center on. Like even outside the Olympics, it's on the t it's on Sports Center on TV all the time. It's insane right now. Like it's t it's literally taking over Sports Center right now. Like nothing else is on. Like the Olympics are not even on Sports Center right now because they're on a different channel. So I get one channel of the Olympics, and I just get like five different channels of curling. Crazy. Yeah, it's Scott. It's Scotty's tournament of hearts. Yeah, just nuts. Is that not the most Canadian sounding name ever. The Scotty's Scott. tournament of hearts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only Canadians know what that is. Yeah, seriously. Um, what do we think of uh, of Evan's Instagram post this week? Him doing the gate video in Manchester. Um, I thought for a guy that hasn't been riding and we're doing racing training, whatever gates look almost identical to what he used to put out. Maybe a little less power, mm -hmm. but the guy is just on lock with those that gate form. He always has been. I still am questioning whether he, I think he's low key trying to make a comeback. Not trying, like he wants he, to make a comeback. I think so too. I don't know if it's going to be an elite though. Like I think he, he might just race amateur or something, just for fun. Because he obviously seems to love riding his bike. He builds the the pump tracks, the jumps, whatever. He clearly but he hinted loves at something last fall. Remember, he hinted at something. He hinted. He's hinted a couple times in like random posts about what he like trying to. You know, ride more, race more, coming back. But then this one made this post. You're right, kind of made me feel like something to do with 
not racing pro maybe like maybe racing for fun maybe he's gonna race 17 and over or whatever yeah i'm gonna read what part i made me think about that but he might be racing amateur i could see it yeah why not like if you still love racing and love the sport like why not do it for fun so he's a year age he's a year older so he's a year between us a year younger than me so he's gonna be he's gonna be 29 this year fuck he should come back and race masters next Oh, can you imagine if you did Raspers? That would be pretty cool. You can do Masters next year, yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm not going to snap. What? <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> what was his post a long time ago when he like he won the Euros and he said one down, something to go or something like that? Maybe now he goes after the Euro or the uh, the World Championship Masters. Jersey. You know, I think he was talking about the Olympics or Worlds, but, you know, we'll go with Masters. <laughs> <laughs> There's a jersey up for that one. He could still grab that one. Maybe he's gonna race Glasgow in May. Oh, uh, mm, that would be interesting. Oh my God! Maybe he's gonna race Glasgow in May. Maybe that's what he's gearing up for. He just wants to do one race comeback. Hmm. That'd be interesting. So. I think Canada's ever gonna have another World Cup while we're still alive. I can't give any give away any details. I had a, I wouldn't call it a meeting, a chit chat between you know me, Laura, Norm, UCI, like UCI. We were just having a chat about mm-hmm. you know ideas, throwing things around. Um, UCI Norm, great guy. First of all, love that guy, and he he really is. Um, we were sharing yeah. our ideas of what we think we could help improve, um, just like mm-hmm. we talked about last show. And he was very positive about a lot of them, trying to work out some kinks. Um, actually, I got a question for you about one of them, um, which I love that it was awesome how he he wasn't just against everything. He was like he was taking it in. Let, mm-hmm. Let's hear it. Let's yeah, work with he's it. awesome. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think there was. I don't know. I think I think Low Key Canada wants one. Low Key Canada wants one. Mm, interesting interesting very interesting um one point i was going to bring up let's maybe maybe the listeners can help with this too but one of the ideas was to add some spark to racing to the race days give the commentator something more to talk about was the fastest lap of the day and we were kind of spitballing that idea the positives and negatives um one of the hard things to do right now would be to add to give points away for that it would be tough right now because of olympic qualifying stuff like it could it would be tough. Like that's set. That is already set. Those points, how it works. If that makes sense. Hard mm-hmm. to add that in right now. But the idea of still having a fastest lap and having something up for grabs for that is still an idea. But it was trying to figure out what is worth being put up for grabs for that fastest lap of the day. Because let's say giving the guy a hundred bucks and saying going up on the podium after the race and taking a picture with a hundred dollar check would kind of be a slap in the face for a fastest lap of the day. Like it doesn't seem worth it. But Mm-hmm. and even like a little trophy almost doesn't seem worth it. like it's not a big deal but you want it to be respected so what if it was like a green plate like you know we have the red plate points leader what if each race there was someone with a green plate and at least you knew it's just something to collect mm-hmm. and something to be like hey you had the fastest lap of the day kind of thing is that worth it i don't know i'm not saying it is but that's just spitballing like what kind of idea what would make getting the fastest lap cool respected and worth it what if you did what if you did it for the weekend and like the podium on Sunday, like before the actual podium, you had just like the fastest lap of the weekend go up and just like stand on the top of the podium and you get like a special trophy that says fastest lap of the weekend. And then you have like say it's like, I don't know, five hundred bucks, you get like a trophy's fast lap of the weekend and you get to go on the podium for the fastest lap of the weekend person and you get like uh, what's it called? Recognized for it. That'd be cool. I mean, I think that'd be cool. I think, I think it would be if there was enough money. Like so you're saying, five hundred bucks that would 
to me, I would be worth it. That'd be cool. Something, just an add-on. But the problem is then if they're able to get the money. I know it sounds stupid, but it's like, that's just another thing. They have to try to find funding to give somebody more money. So it's like, one, if they can find the money, but then is 500 enough? And it's like, then they have to try to find 500 a weekend extra for that, which not huge in the grand scheme of things, but it's still something. Even if they didn't do money for it, picture this, you finish racing and you, they tell you the fastest lap per weekend, you get to go on the podium and get, get like a trophy for it and get like recognized for it. I, I mean, I wouldn't be like, for instance, if I went out in quarters, but I had the fastest lap per weekend, of course I'd be a bum, like I went out in quarters, but I would still, I would still be proud to do that and still like think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. I think so too. And that, that was my idea. I don't know. The trophy would either have to be cool or I think like the plate, something, it would have to be cool to make it worth it. Yeah. But I do think like having that recognition to say like I had, I was the fastest lap time at all tracks this year, all races. I had the fastest lap all year long. Like that'd be pretty cool to say. Yeah. And then they post and then they make a YouTube video of it. Yeah. Or they make a post about it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it sounds lame when I say it, but like they could do a good job of like, like making it public that you're like the fastest lap of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's like the commentators could be talking about that. Like, Hey, we got, I don't know. We got Nick Kim and he, you know, he doesn't really do this often, but he went out in quarters last week, but he had the fastest lap time. Like, let's see if he can bring it into this race and, you know, put it in the final still, see if he can put that fastest lap to work on a new track, see if he can get it in the final. Just like, it's an added conversation piece. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I like it. Interesting. But I think you have to do it for the weekend. I don't think you do it per day. Not per day, hey? I think a per weekend would be better. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's fair. Because I think there'd be maybe too many if it's like per each day. I don't know. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. And for the overall weekend, it would be a huge accomplishment because it's a lot of laps. Yeah, a lot of laps, a lot of people doing their fastest laps. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> yeah. damn impressive if you're putting out a fast lap. Like, people get stoked if they have the fastest fill time of the weekend. That fastest lap time, like, fuck, you're, that's legit. That's super legit, yeah. yeah. So something extra, yeah. yeah. And and it actually adds value to your sponsors, too, because it's something to showcase. And if you uh, get on the podium or get interviewed or there's posting about it, like, it's still kind of like winning a time trial. Yeah, I agree. So. Yeah. What yeah. Is, how does Norm feel about time trials? Um, that's not one we chatted about. That's no, not one we brought up. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Those are a thing of the past. Yeah. I think it could be a thing of the future, but yeah, something that wasn't chatted about just yet. So there how was do some, you feel I got to say the next Olympics. Are they going to be a medal event in, uh, in <laughs> Paris? Can we make it happen like this Olympics? Like, like in a, yeah. three years? Can we make it happen? We got time, three years. Come on, just schedule the day before. It's not a big deal. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. It was a good chat, though. It was nice to spitball some ideas. Um, I think there could be a couple takeaways, a couple things that are going to have to be yeah. worked in maybe within the next few years, but good chat. I won't give it all away. It's, yeah. I think it's more of a private thing. I don't know. So I know it is. Cool. All right. Um, let the fans hear from Pope. We'll let the fans hear from Posey. You'll hear us try to give him a better intro. Thank you for T for doing that. You really came in clutch. We're giving our, our guys some intros and you know, Posey was the Dude, first I totally guy. forgot. I totally forgot we were doing that. We'll prepare better next time. That's all right. I mean, we, we, I think you handled it. You did a great job. So. Yeah. All right. You're from JP baby. Enjoy everyone. We're giving an official intro this time. Remember T? Oh yeah, we do official intros. We're giving an official intro now. We we we've been slacking on official intros lately. I totally I totally forgot about the official intro. We're just gonna we're just gonna have to wing it. Yeah, I don't ha- I didn't look up any funny stats for Poe here, so yeah.
2014 South Park Elite Men winner, day two. We got um, 2014 Rotterdam semifinalist who crashed in the semi, probably. I think we're in the same one, maybe in the other one. Oh, yeah. We got um, uh, fucking NBL number one, probably when he was like 12. Multi time, baby. Multi time NBL number one. We got number one Panthers fan in the world. Pretty close to it. We got just a Pacific Northwest living guy, Justin Posey. Beautiful intro. Welcome to the show, Paul. We're stoked to have you on. I wouldn't change anything. What did we miss? What what did we what did we miss? I mean, it depends on what you want out of the intro, right? Because it's like, I mean, there's some other accolades, but like, do those really matter? So I mean fourth place Argentina fourth place Argentina 2013. Yeah, there's that. Uh I made three World Cup finals. Um we're talking Rock Hill 17. Rock Hill 17. What's the other one? Chula 14. Oh, that's a good one. You made that. That's a good one to make. You're on. You're killing it that that year. That like World yeah. Cup, like especially I remember you're flying. 14 <clears throat> and into 15 were were pretty good to me. So um, yeah, was 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 going fast there. And I'm trying to think. I mean, I had some collegiate wins. Obviously, um, had quite a few USA BMX podiums, but. Um, yeah, I mean nothing, nothing too crazy. Just, just well, your, your average guy. <laughs> That's still, still pretty good, though. You got to say, Wh- which one of them is your favorite? Do you think <laughs> which one stands out the most is like your your top one? You'd think my top finish. Yeah, like what one stands out as your best? Like maybe it's not just the best result, but which one you look at it being like that was my best one? You know, I don't know, but I I always go back to to Disney Cup of fourteen. It's so funny because like. It's just the most random race, and it's indoor, tiny track. Oh, yeah. Fuck, you were fast there. You got second every yeah, day, didn't you? Yeah, so day one, won all my motos, blew a chain in the quarter right out of the gate. And so Saturday, it just I was so, so fired up, and so ended up getting second behind Sam. And then Sunday came out and got another second behind Sam. So two, two out of three podiums, and it, it felt pretty good, and that one was like, <laughs> I don't know. I just felt on it, even at a, a tiny little track, and just you could kind of just bully people out of the way, and that's probably why I liked it too. So, yeah, that's a that's a tough one to be consistent at too, because if you have outside lanes, it can be really difficult. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the South Park one, like, I mean, a win's a win. That was really my only elite win, so that one stands out probably the most, if not the second most. So, um, yeah, those were those were two good races that I I think back to a lot. Hey, after the South Park win, didn't you have your podium as your uh, your phone, your like your display photo on your phone? And Dave Herman's like, "Oh, it's cute. I remember my first podium." David roasted me. We're what an asshole! Training... <laughs> yeah, we're we're at the training center. We're getting lunch one day, and we're sitting there, and he like looks over at my phone, and he's like, "I remember my first win." I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "All right, well." I was like, I'll keep rocking it, just to, just to rub it in your face now. But eventually, changed it. But it's like it definitely put it into perspective. Like, wow, I haven't done much. <laughs> well, fuck you, Herm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, screw you, Herm. When did you um? When did you first go to the center and start living there? Or did you live at the center? I feel like yeah. you did for a while, didn't you? Yeah, I lived at the center for a while. I started going. Well, I mean, I was in the junior Devo programs. You know, like I yeah. 15, I don't know what year that is. It runs together, but um. 13, I was on the national team, so, like, went to, you know, all the World Cups and kind of had some, you know, quarters and semis, and so, like, I was right there. 
Um, actually, well, then Argentina made the final, so then kind of locked me in. And so I was in and out of the training center from there moving forward. And then 2014, in the summer, I went out there to stay for the whole summer. And then, um, yeah, I'm trying to think when I – because then I moved out there uh, – uh, January of 2015. That's when it was January of 2015. I moved out there and, uh, yeah, lived out there almost full time. Uh, then we got a house. Uh, they, this see, this all runs together. Um, I moved out there in January of 2015. It was kind of like in and out. I stayed on site, sorry, at the center, the summer of 15. And then right after the summer, I got a house with Dean, uh, Anthony Dean, Logan Collins, and, um, Colby Murphy, another guy. And we had a house like from there through the Olympics of the next year. So it was like a year lease, right? Like, so it was like summer, yeah. summer of 15 through uh, summer of 16. What'd you, um, did you like living at the center or living, living there and training there? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think everybody. It's funny. It's a popular, it's a popular answer. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But it's, it's mostly because like, you just get so wrapped up into it and then like, you can't yeah. detach from it. And like, the more you go on in the sport, like, again, I wasn't winning everything, but like I was up there and the more you like got involved and like became obsessed with it, the more it like got on your nerves. Cause it was like, you were living it, breathing it. Like you couldn't just get away. And so having a house off site was nice. Cause you could just drive home, do something else, like go out to dinner, like make your own dinner, watch whatever else. And like, not just see Olympics, 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 like all day, every yeah. day. So that's, I mean, I kind of enjoyed that part of it. And then, you know, I um, ended up meeting my wife eventually from the center, but it's like, yeah, it's a little, little testy trying to, you know, hang out and uh, have slumber parties with uh, individuals. at the <laughs> It really seems like it's like when you're younger, it's so easy to be able to go to the training center, live and enjoy everything about it. But the older you get that, that not having an escape just like eats at people constantly, it seems like. Yeah, don't get me wrong, like, so nice to walk out of your dorm, go down, have breakfast, go back to your dorm, hang out, go <laughs> ride, go back to your dorm. Like, it's cool. It's it's kind of like a college in a way. But, yeah, when yeah. you're young, it's for sure cool. But then as you get older, it, it, it wasn't all it was cracked out to be. So It's almost like they should be putting these, like, putting housing off-site somewhere for these athletes, make it a little, like, more realistic for them. <clears throat> that kind of helps. Yeah, that I, that I help. mean, I think, that's, I think it would help. But yeah. that's, I mean... It's, it's hard too because like we don't make obviously tons of money so it wasn't like it's not like you can get a pretty baller pad and like live <laughs> yeah. live it's like oh you'll give me housing for free yeah I'm I'll in take I'll it. Go. yeah hey, not gonna pass yeah. that up <laughs> yeah San Diego's super cheap too so <laughs> how is it, it living with Dino and uh, oh sorry T how is it living with Dino and Collins uh, offside there that uh, was fun, dude. We had a blast. Um, those guys are those guys are hilarious, and uh, we would we would just you know random stuff like go get dinner, you know, ice cream, stupid stuff like that, and just I don't know, hang out and chill. Um, it was cool to see like everybody like it's such an individual sport as we know, and so it's like it was funny to like see how everybody's training and this and that, and like you know Dean's always been the guy to like do his thing, and so like you know, you, you let him do, you know, a sprints or jam on his own or whatever. And then like, you know, you'd plan to have dinner or something. And so it was cool to hang out then, but, uh, it wasn't like, you know, we weren't training together full time or anything. So it was kind of, you know, hit or miss when that would happen. But 
yeah, Anthony became one of my one of my good friends. Logan was obviously a great friend, so that was a uh, it was a blast. It's cool, like you get to you get to spend so much time together outside the track and become like almost family. I, like that's really cool about our sport. And and Anthony and I were like, so I obviously went to school and I was going to go back and get my degree, but like Anthony is very business savvy, and like you can tell mm. he's you know opened his coffee shop and yeah has all these big plans, and so it was kind of fun like just to see that he didn't have all his eggs. Well, I mean, he was all in on racing, but like he was interested in business and like life after racing and stuff. And so like we would chat about that stuff. And I thought that was really cool that he was, he was into that. Like we had a lot in common there. That's yeah. Cool. It gets, it gets exhausting, if, especially if you're sharing like a house with BMXers and everyone just like watching videos and like, if they don't, if there's no like separation, it's like, gets a lot, gets to be a lot what gear is this guy running? What, what, how much is this plotting? <laughs> like, yeah. You see yeah. this guy, I think he's, I think he's riding 172 and a half. So do you think I should try that? <laughs> like you need to detach something. You need something to detach. Yeah. Yeah. You Especially really like, do. yeah. So. Um, 14 when, when it was one of my best years, I was going to school or like full time. So yeah. Tell us about 14. Cause obviously you had a, you had a really good year and you kind of, you, I would say you really broke through that year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a solid year just all around. Um, I think I got most of my podiums that year. Um, like I said, two Disney cup podiums, um, before that Rotterdam crashed in the semi, as you know, Tori, that was the one that mm -hmm. I felt like that, that was the race I felt like got away from me, honestly. Cause like, I felt yeah. so good that weekend, mm -hmm. um, leading up to that, I had the South park win, you know, was, um, in the main the day before that and crashed um i think i podiumed at nashville before that so like it was just it was a solid year not a great start as most people know by now um in the the, the opener in phoenix most people know this story but if not this is a good one so uh again 14 coming out feeling great one 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 in the motos for elite sitting in my pits have my music on i'm jamming out i'm jamming out and like all of a sudden I'm like, like people are gone. And I'm like, oh my God. And I take my headphones off and I hear double A pros in the gate. And so oh, I, look no. over, I look over and I see Joris in the other tent freaking out too. And so we go sprinting up there and I was in a five man quarter. And of course I was the first quarter. And so I missed my quarter. No and fucking oh, way. Joris, Joris was in the fourth one. So of course he goes on to make his and of course make it on the day. But uh, yeah, that was, that was the start of my 14 year. Oh, <laughs> Cause that's a, that's a day you probably would have done well too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Went, went one, one, one felt <laughs> great. I think the next day, um, I think I had just no know. head, just no headphones the next day, just sitting and staging all day. <laughs> Dude, I like, I don't know if it's from that or what, but I still have nightmares of missing races. Like, yeah, I, it, I that's my worst fear or I like go up there I don't have my shoes on or like forget my helmet or something it ridiculous dude like it that. happened to me, it happened to me once I almost missed the semi you know that race we did in just north of Austin like yeah. in 2017 yeah. so you know we, they were running us like every hour or something but I think before the semi they changed to 45 minutes so I get back from my cool down ride I'm like casually like doing up my pants and taking my seat post and the same thing I hear them all right, double A semis. And I'm just like, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Grab my helmet and full sprint, like bobbing and weaving between kids on the way up. It's just the most instant panic feeling. The worst. 
brutal. Oh, it's the worst. The next day, yeah, you're just on edge the entire time too. If it's the first yeah. day, the next day you're just sitting there, no headphones, just watching, making sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was pretty, I was pretty useless. I think I, I made it into the magazine the next day <laughs> because I was. They made jokes about me, and so I like, I stayed in staging before court, like between third round and quarter. <laughs> I stayed in there with like the five intermediates. I gotta find that. <laughs> They put it in the magazine. They're like, he wasn't going to miss the quarter the next day. And so it's like me with a bunch of kids and staging. James, you ever missed a moto? I don't think I have ever missed a moto. I'm trying to remember if I've ever missed one. I remember like as a kid, like at a BMX Canada National, like my, my race was like behind the gate or in the gate. And I ran up the start hill. Like I ran and went up the start hill to get into it. But I can't remember otherwise if I've actually missed one completely or not. I think yeah, if I have, I put I that out of my mind because that's just not something I want to remember. No, I almost actually missed my first round in Manchester one year. The, I think the first year we went, I had to like full sprint up the hill and PH was sprinting up with my bike and I barely made my first moto. <laughs> you imagine that? Or miss your first moto World Cup to start with eight points? Cool. That's sick. Brutal. Yeah, it's not fun. Um, how was, um, yeah, so tell us a bit about South Park, your first breakthrough win in, in 14. Did I... That one was like, it was such an interesting weekend. So um, like, I, I don't know if you guys do or if your listen, listeners do, but like, I hope they appreciate the stories that like come about of these things. So like, you know, everybody saw that I was in the race, but nobody saw how we're, I got We're a big story pod. Okay, good. So I'm in North Carolina <laughs> at the time and Pittsburgh's an eight hour drive, but I'm like, I'm going to fly. And so I fly from, you know, Charlotte or whatever. And I go to New York and then I'm going New York to Pittsburgh. I land in New York, we're on the plane to take off and we go out to the runway and they're like, oh, sorry, there's storms coming in. We got to turn around. I'm like, oh God, okay. This is great. So we turn back around, we get off the plane, they deplane us and this massive storm comes in. And I mean, like, it is insane. So they just start canceling flights. They're not canceling ours. They keep delaying it, delaying it, delaying it, delaying it. And I'm like, all right, I got to grab a rental car. Mind you, I'm 20 right now, like at the time. So like, I can't even technically get a rental car. I'm going to have to pay like a huge fee. And this was like one of the times they just started racing on Friday, Saturday. So it wasn't like I had an extra day, like I had to get there. (laughs) And so I finally get like on the phone with a rental car company, grab a rental car, but I'm waiting for my flight. My flight doesn't get canceled till like 11 PM on Thursday. And then I go to the rental car place wait in line for three hours and I'm out of there at like 2 a.m. on Friday. I drive to um, Philadelphia because Colin Hudson was stuck as well. And he was like, we were texting and he was like, Hey, can you pick me up? I'll help you drive. Sweet. All right. So I pick him up at 2 a.m. Dude is knocked out like a few minutes later in the car and just sleeps the whole time. And I, so I'm driving till like four or five in the morning and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I got to get a hotel. So we pull over, get a hotel, sleep for like four hours and then hit the road again and drive the rest of the way to Pittsburgh. And we get there like 30 minutes before practice. And oh so, my God. So I practice Friday. <laughs> I do fine. Like in the motos again, made the main crashed in the main. And so it was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like this weekend was just awful. And then, um, so then, yeah, the next day came out, had some good laps. Um, and then another funny story happened. So like, you know, 2014, I was obviously feeling great, feeling good racing and i felt like you know on a given day i could beat almost anyone right like if mm-hmm. my if i had a if i had a good lap i could beat almost anyone right and still the top guy is sam like sam's won every freaking race and i'm like that's like the only guy i need to beat like i've got to beat sam and i want to beat sam more than anything 
he's in the semi before me and he crashes with Kurt Picard and they both don't make it out. And so I like literally am in the gate for the semi and I'm like, I'm going to win this race. Cause like, that was like the only person I felt that could stop me. And like, sure enough, won my semi, then I went two, one, two in the mains and, and won. So like, it was definitely a huge confidence day. Like I just felt like I knew I was going to win. And then speaking of Herm, even though we hate him, right. He's, he's giving me this shit for the win but before the third main i'm in lane one he's in lane two and he like he blew a clip first round got like a seventh or an eighth so like he had no chance of winning and before the third round he's like hey man don't worry about me i'll give you some room i was like nice my god my god so I, like, had nothing god. to worry about there he just opened it up for me and just i just oh. followed him into the first corner and for a two slot and took the win that's fucking oh, awesome what a god that's a massive play. Yeah, that's huge. What a that, fucking that weekend. I, I was in with Herm. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. Fuck, what a guy. Oh, that's unreal. What a damn weekend that would have been. Holy smokes. I can't even imagine just having to drive all that way and then still trying to race that first day. I would have been, you would have been a zombie out there. So I like, I don't know, man. I, it's, it's so crazy like how some of these, I don't know, you listen to these podcasts of people like, you know, oh, you know, you don't need sleep or you don't need this or you don't need that or like, you know, David Goggins telling you to get hard and, you know, what, <laughs> whatever, just just beat the crap out of everything, whatever. Yeah. So that weekend that happened. But then there's this one like time that this will always stick with me. Um, so when I was training with German Medina, who many people know, he's the Colombian Olympic coach, he's got a few few uh, medals on his hands. Um, it was. I don't know if it was 13 or 14. Uh, it might've been 14, but it could have been 13. Sorry. Anyways, I'm going to Nashville for the race and fly in on Thursday and I get food poisoning and I am just I literally couldn't keep anything down. Just shitting, puking all night, the entire time. I show up to the track on Friday and haven't had a drink of water. Haven't had anything. I'm so dehydrated. Haven't had a bite to eat. So I go out there and take two laps of practice and like, I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything. So I come off the track and I'm like, Hey coach, like, look, I can't do this. Like I, I got to call it for the day. And he was like, so let me get this straight. If you make it to the Olympics and you get food poisoning, you're just not going to race in the Olympics. And I was like, oh. fair enough. Fair enough. So I, I went out there, had no juice, like literally like was dead last out of the gate every time, but just dug deep and actually ended up in the main. And, um, was in fourth going through the second corner and Kurt Picard slid out and took us both out. And so, uh, like I was right there at the podium position, you know? And so that's like one of those times where I was like, okay, well, like we obviously are, you know, you can dig deep and, and do things that you don't think you can. And so that, that was another cool story that I got from my racing days. That's wow. Really cool. German. What a, what a fucking thing to say to fire you up. Yeah, no, seriously, though, because, again, I was like, I, I guess it must have been 14 because I had some results going and, like, things were going in the trajectory, like, hey, I could make the team. And so he brought that out, and I was like, damn, okay, yeah, fair enough. Let's let's give it a go. Let's go. Hell, Time yeah, that's go. awesome. Yeah. I love it. And it's, it's so true. Like, we can, even if we feel like shit, we can often dig deep and still perform really well. And sometimes, too, in those instances, you're just kind of like, well, I feel like shit. Well, I got nothing to lose, so you just go out and whatever exactly like you literally have nothing to lose so just go for it you know and that's that's i feel like those two weekends honestly that's that's what happened looking back on it was there something that was clicking for you those like those races those years like was there something that you know you did that was like okay that worked for you and you, like you tried to kind of replicate after that or is it just things were coming together 
Um, no, I think things were just coming together. Um, I mean, I did feel mentally pretty tough and like felt really good. And, um, you know, my acceleration was like, was pretty solid. And so I felt that on a regular track, again, there was probably one person that really could beat me. I mean, there's obviously you have your Maris, your Herman, your Nick, your everybody that could beat you. But like Sam was like the one, like, okay, that's the guy you, you have to beat. But I, I felt like I could beat most anybody else at that time. And so like, there was one thing I felt like my, when I was younger, my gates were pretty good, but then I don't know if it was the type of training or what I was doing. I wasn't like right there on first crank, but if you got me to, if I got to the third crank, like get, get out of the way. And so like, if you watch, um, if you actually watch that semi where I crashed in Rotterdam, Tori, you were the guy right next to me when I blew up, but like <laughs> watch that lap. Sam was in one, I think Amadou was in two, I was in three or um, yeah, something like that. And I'm like, I'm like a wheel behind on the first crank, like literally like a wheel behind. <laughs> then I got to the kink and I'm like almost dead even at the bottom of the hill. I'm dead even with everybody except Sam, who's obviously a bike ahead of everybody. And so, um, yeah, now to, to go on to that little rant for a sec, I do remember hitting the first jump and being like, okay, I just need to get clear his back wheel because I, I was in front of everybody else. I just need to clear his back wheel and get to the inside and I go in the corner in second. I'm good. And of course, what do I do? Just 50-50 that triple because I was so nervous to get to the inside. 50-50 the triple, hit Tori and crash in the first corner and blow up. So, um, but yeah, so to your point, I felt like my acceleration was there and I was pretty aggressive and um, those things were just clicking for me. God, what a what a weapon Sam was in Rotterdam. I mean, he's always a weapon, but fuck, he was fast. Dude, it was insane. Yeah, I remember I remember watching him because we had like the top sixteen warm up or whatever. Like, if you're a top sixteen in the world, so we were doing the top sixteen warm up. I think before like the eights or whatever. Yeah, I remember he was doing a gate in front of me, and I watched him do a gate. I <laughs> think like, holy fuck, he's going fast. <laughs> it was usually always like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, that first straight there, that was crazy how little time you had to make decisions and decide what you were going to do going to that first turn. You have a split yeah. second, you get out of the gate, and then it's like, okay, cool, hit the jump. All right, second jump's in your face, turn, you're just there. Yeah. So dangerous, that track, just for that reason alone. Like, there were so many there were so many bad crashes in the first straight. Like, Sylvan and Willie crashed so bad in the first jump. Colin Hudson crashed so hard in the first turn. Yeah. It's so crazy, though, because, like, you think back to it, and, like, at the time, like – I just knew in my head, like, I was like, Oh, just, just get to the kink and like, just let it ride. And now it's yeah. like, I would be shitting bricks up there. Like, <laughs> yeah, this ain't for me. Like, no. <laughs> no chance I'm doing it now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you're going to, were you going to Marion in 2014 too? Yeah. So I technically went, um, well, I went all of 2013 uh, I missed like 20 days to go to all the world cups, but it was a, um, the collegiate sport. Right. And they were winning national titles for cycling, like road mountain, all that stuff. And so they were like, all right, cool. You keep your grades up. You can travel wherever you want. And so that was pretty cool, um, to be able to do that. So I traveled the world 2013. Um, yeah, I went to school the whole way through 2014. Actually, I lied. I went the first, well, I went the first semester. So through December, um, which again, 2014 was one of my best years. And then January of 2014, I actually moved to online classes. And so I was going, doing online classes, but then racing, 
I mostly kind of lived in North Carolina, but I was traveling all over, like going to Chula, going to Florida, um, stayed with uh, Tyler Farrow a bunch. And then, um, yeah, took a break from 2015 through 2016 because I just wanted to put my, all my eggs in on one basket. And then I knew I was going to go back and finish up school after that. I was, um, how was it going to Marion? Like, do you guys train together? And how was it racing BMX in college? Because it's not offered like kind of anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, I can't speak highly enough about it because, um, I mean, I, I'm a huge proponent of education, but I mean, at the same time, like you don't need a degree for anything and everything, right? Like the times are changing a bit um, and it's not for everybody, but I'm, I'm just a huge proponent of it. I think it's, it's big to have a degree and especially mm -hmm. a lot of things that you want to do in life. Like they just want you to check a box, right? Like even if it's, yeah. it might not be the one you want, like it might not be a business degree or a law degree or whatever it is, but like if you get something like, even in my line of work, we can talk about that later, but it's like, they just, they don't even care what it is, but you got a degree. And so yeah. it's important there, but I will say like, we had the absolute time of our life and it was like me, Bryce, and Bryce Hawking and Chase Hines were all roommates and your whole life. You're a, I wouldn't say weirdo, but like you're different at school because you rode bikes, you weren't in basketball or football or whatever else but you were an athlete and people didn't understand, but you go to Marion and you're around like-minded people that they want to ride, they want to train, they want to party, they want to do everything else. But it's like, you're all talking about BMX and you're all hanging out and racing and training. So yeah, Bryce and I would go to the gym together all the time. Chase, you know, he wouldn't really, <laughs> he wouldn't really go. To the gym, but he would go to the track and we'd have fun. And you know, Chase and I had been homies for a long time. So like, again, awesome dude. Playing awesome dude. games and everything else all the time but um as, as it progressed like the biggest thing with marion that was awesome not only have i have my best friends now like we just went on a golf trip and they're all from college um so that's you know you make those lifelong friends there but the other thing was like i again i was able to travel and do what i needed to do um to race bmx while getting the degree and you can't you can't do that at a normal university because when you say hey i gotta miss school like they're just like no you don't like what do you mean and so um like i remember my sophomore year um our first day of class the professor was like okay if you're gonna miss if you miss more than six days in my class i will automatically fail you i said okay so that i went up to him after class and i said hey dude i'm i i'm gonna miss six days like next week like i'm going to europe this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna work and he was like sorry i don't know what to tell you i was like okay what an asshole yeah so then i go to i go to the cycling coach and he takes me to the dean of students and we explain the situation and like the next day the guy was like okay fine whatever just get turn your stuff in so like it, that was like the power of athletics right like you hear about those things happening but it was cool to go to a university that they were like okay like this is a really big deal so yeah go race your bike and go to these world cups and just turn in your work what That's a cool. big ego on that professor it's like who cares just if you get in the work it's not like you're just skipping class and getting drunk or something yeah. well and that's that's the thing that I always, I don't know how you guys were, but like elementary, middle, high school, like the first week of school, you go talk to your teacher and say, hey, yep. this is what yep. I do. Like, yep. I'm going to do my best to do great in your class. Like I will catch up. Like my mom wouldn't let me miss a sick day. Like I was sick a few times and she wouldn't let me miss because I was going to miss too much racing. And so yep. that was kind of yep. like, you kind of knew that growing up. And so in college, it was nice that you know, I still had that same ability. Like I, I wasn't going to miss days to miss days. Right. Like 
I went out partying the night before, oh, well, like I got to go to class because I'm going to miss days to go to Europe or wherever else eventually. So totally. Yeah. And you learn to manage your time from a younger age too. Like you really learn to be efficient and get your stuff in. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, kinda, um, I wish we had those days. Like that's kind of, <laughs> I think it's really cool that you're able to kind of live the BMX life, but also live the kind of college mm-hmm. life. Cause I feel like, a, like Jordan kind of mentioned, like it's not common in BMX for, to be able to go to university and live that life, but still be a racer full-time like you were? So I, I think, you know, Felicia did it um, myself. I mean, Connor did a lot of online classes and he's got his degree. Um, so there's, there's different ways to do it. Um, but I think that there's more people that definitely need to do it um, because again, you, there's, there's very few people that are going to go to the Olympics and make millions of dollars or well, not millions, but there's, there's very few people that are going to make it like at the highest level. Right. But mm-hmm. everybody wants to, but let's be real. They're not, everybody's going to make it. So I think personally going to school and still racing, like it's just a great compromise. Cause it's like somewhere like Marion, like we were going to Dayton, Ohio in the winter, two days a week. Like we had this massive bus that they take football teams on just to go ride our bike twice a week. Like it was so cool. That was in the winter In the summer we had our own track there and, um, and all that stuff. But like, again, you're living that, that dream, you're living that life. Like you go to class, you know, whatever, two, two classes on Monday and Wednesday, two classes on Tuesday, Thursday, like the other time you're training and you're riding and like, you're living out the dream. So like, why not take advantage of that? Um, so I, I think more people need to do that um, because not everybody's going to make it at the very highest level and doesn't need to. And honestly, we go back to this, we, you guys were talking about an outlet. Like that's also a good outlet, right? Like if you're totally consumed in it, like 100% of the time, like not saying you can't be obsessed with it, but like you can have other things to think about and other things to do to take your mind off it. So you're ready to give it 110% when it comes to that three hour block of training or two hour block of training, rather than thinking about it for 48 hours, you know, or 24 hours. So I don't know. That's my, that's my, that's my, my view on it. I I think it's a, I think it's a really good thing. I mean, I think a lot of people, they always think they got to go full in all focus, like nothing else. It's all they can consume, but it's like, yeah, you need, if you don't have something to get away from it, like when you do get to the session, sometimes you get, you're kind of stale stagnant. It's like, you're not as excited, not as fresh, ready to go. For sure. Yeah. So um, heading into 2015, you um, you had a really bad crash in Colorado. Ended up having a really serious injury. How, tell us about tell us about that, like the injury, and then um, how difficult it was physically and and mentally and emotionally and everything after that. For sure. Um, so we were talking about the good year in 2015. We started off with. Uh, I think uh, in Rock Hill in March, I got second in national champs. I got second in continental champs, um, made the USA BMX final, got, I don't know, fifth or sixth, I think sixth that day. Um, so started off the year really, really good. Um, you know, April, May came around, was still plugging away, had some podiums for USA BMX. Um, Sweden was in August, right, of 2015. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. actually, Belgium was a pretty good race for me too, until it wasn't, but, um, was in the semi actually Yelly and I, he kind of crossed over. I hit his back wheel, came unclipped, um, and fifth in the semi. So again, was right there. Sweden was running fourth in the semi, Bodie Turner passed me. Um, and so I didn't make it. So I was pretty fired up and he went on to podium at that world cup. 
And so, again, the pieces were like, I mean, right there. And yeah, yeah. Was, was still rolling for me. And then, yeah, Colorado happened. And, um, yeah, it was uh, – I mean, I was winning the first round and came out of the corner, and I think I felt like I was going a little faster than I had hit that straight um, to that point. It was a little windy. Uh, actually, it was pretty windy, a little crosswind. And I remember going off the lip and like, I think I tensed up right before it. Cause it was, again, the wind was throwing me off and I was going too fast. I thought like, like those jumps were tiny and yeah. I was going too fast and I just went off the lip and immediately knew like I'm, I'm fucked. Cause that was just, excuse my language, whatever. But I just like literally go off in the air and I'm like, ah, this is bad. Yeah. So I went overshot, landed sideways, wheel hit. I went flying, woke up a few minutes later. So, um, yeah, I, the first first thing I said was, uh, shit, my teeth are gone again. And the guys are like, what? I'm like, my teeth are gone. And I lift my helmet up and my front two teeth are gone. And uh, the first time I knocked them out, so it wasn't anything new. Um, but I remember like laying there and a bunch of pain. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to get up and walk this off. And I'd like try to get <laughs> myself off the ground and like just took everything I had out of me and I couldn't and just fell down. And they were like, no, 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 just lay down. I was like, okay, okay, yeah, good idea. And so... <laughs> next thing you know i'm just like excruciating pain obviously and um yeah get to the hospital realize i have a t7 burst fracture t8 body fracture um dislocated broken shoulder uh broken thumb no teeth concussion and um yeah it was uh Uh, that was was about exactly it was almost exactly a year out from the olympics and um you know, sitting third in points. And so, um, it was, it was pretty dark for a bit. So we got the, at the time it was like, okay, you can either get to Colorado Springs, do your back surgery and your shoulder surgery, or you either ride in an ambulance for four hours or take a helicopter there. And insurance wasn't going to cover a helicopter. And the doctor was like, dude, you should not be in an ambulance going through the mountains for four hours. So I was like, all right. So the only choice was, okay, let's get fused here. So I had um, two rods and 10 screws go in my back to stabilize the fracture. And then about five days later, flew to Colorado Springs and did my shoulder surgery and spent a week there. And then I flew home to North Carolina to start my rehab. And you know, I remember early on, it's like, you throw out the why me, you're like, why, why did this happen to me? Like, why, 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 just, why does this happen? Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm feeling so good. I'm doing so great. Like, you know, I want to make the Olympics and why would this happen? And um, it, it was pretty, it was pretty rough for a bit. And, um, you know, luckily I had great people around me. Um, I was working with Jason Richardson at the time too. And, you know, he, he helped me through that, that dark mental space to, to look forward to what's to come and, and adventure you know, trying to get back and stuff like that. And, you know, at the time I, you know, I always knew I was like, okay, I'm going to make this a cool story and get back. But there's a few times it's like, why would I get back on the bike? Like, you know, like this yeah. is this yeah. is time to just walk away. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I had, again, had a lot of great people around me to be like, Hey, look, you know, you got this, you know, keep going. And, um, sure enough, you know, started rehabbing, uh, went out to the center, uh, back actually came around pretty quick six weeks they were like all right let's start loading you up put you some weights on and this and Jeez. that and really the hardest part was the shoulder um because i mean when i say i dislocated it like it was in my rib cage and so they, they cranked that thing down so I, like i still have like a pretty cold shoulder now like i can't get all the way up to to 180 and so wow. 
that was probably the hardest bit. I didn't start riding until February of 2016. And then it was like, all right, well, you got a few months to, to make it. Let's, let's see what, see what we got. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I did all the mental stuff. I, I physically trained as hard as I could and, um, you know, went to a few races, didn't have the best results, but, um, was able to still get into the Olympic trials and give it a shot. I was, um, how was it getting back on the track, like mentally and getting back to racing after a crash like that? You know, I, th I think the, the pain was so excruciating when it first happened. Like I couldn't think of anything else. Right. Like, wow. I couldn't, I, I couldn't sleep for a while because so I obviously have broken my back, but then if you've ever done anything to your shoulder, you know, like you can't really lay down on, with a shoulder injury. Like you really have to sit up in a recliner or something. And so I had the shoulder and the back to deal with try to, to try to sleep. And so I remember I would maybe get two hours of sleep and then wake up for four hours and then sleep for two hours and then wake up and like, and it was just a repeat cycle for weeks. Like it was just Netflix and pain, pain pills really. And, um, so that was, that was pretty hard. But once I finally got out of pain, it was like, all right, like, let's do this. And like, I was, I was super excited. And so when I started riding, it was really, it was tough because I was kind of having to do stuff a little bit different. Like I didn't have the same mobility in my shoulder. Like I can remember gate starts being a little bit different, a little hard. Um, and then kind of how, how I was riding the track was a little different too, because I felt like I, I wasn't getting over top of the bike, right? Like wasn't getting my shoulders over the front. It was kind of like I was locked back here and mm -hmm. kind of riding off the back of my bike a little bit because I was worried about my shoulder. And so that, that took some time to overcome. And, you know, then I remember going into Manchester that year and I had some okay laps, but, um, you know, I finally cra like crashed in one of the, in the first corner, I think with Matt Cameron or somebody. And it finally was like, okay, I can crash and get back up. Like I, I'm all, I'm all right. And then, um, you know, as the next few races went on, honestly, I just, I told myself I was fine and I was working with Jay Rich on the mental aspect, right. To get, to get back and get aggressive and get after mm -hmm. it. But I just wasn't all there. And so there was, there was a few times where I had some speed, but like just went and put it together. And so, you know, I was lucky enough to still go into the trials, but um, that, that was, that was kind of a rough year. I can't imagine. Yeah. Just trying to get yourself back in that mindset after that. It's, it's tough. And it's like, yeah, you do, little bits here and there but it's like it's it's hard to get back to feeling like you were when you were going so quick before I think that was the thing too I was holding out on right like going trying to get back to the Olympic trials was like okay like I was a top three guy or for, especially for the U.S. right I'm a top three guy like I, I got this like I just need to get over this injury and, and I'll be good but mentally like let's let's be real it just it just never it never came back and so I can tell myself it did and I can tell you know sometimes my times were there but when it came down to racing and you know the the big time stuff it just uh it, it just that, that brain switch that I had before it wasn't clicking and so dude I don't know the more I've moved on in life and like thought about things like sometimes our brains are I think they they go through these things that are like it almost tells us like hey dude like that switch mm -hmm. is like it, it's time to back off like it's time to do you know it's time to shut it down a little bit and so I think more like you see some of those athletes that have gone through traumatic injuries or traumatic things in their life. And you, I think more and more of those things happen. Like there's some great people with some great comeback stories, but there's a lot of people that 
you know, might not have ever been their, their same self. And um, I hate to say that, but it's, you know, sometimes that's, that's mm. what you face. So. After that, you still, like you raced, you, you made a final in 2016, like at the end of the year, Rock Hill. Um, but then you still race like the next few years, like doing the world cups. It was, was your plan after that still to come back and try to go for 2020? What was, what yeah. was the goals after that? I thought I was going to be fine for 2020. Um, you know, I, I obviously came up short in 2016, um, made the final on the trials, but again, I, I wasn't, wasn't a hundred percent prepared to win that race, which again, if, that, that's a whole nother story. Cause it's like, if, if I would have won that race, it, this is an interesting topic to talk about, but it's like, what happens? Because Corbin had won some of the world cups that year, right? <laughs> yeah. Connor was on fire, but he had just broken his wrist. And so it was like, who gets the coaches pick Connor or Corbin? And obviously like, you know, Connor makes team goes and wins the freaking Olympics, but the, just the preparation before that would have been insane. Uh, if somebody else would have won the trials, but yeah. Um, but yeah, after that, I was like, okay, I made the final in Rock Hill that year. And then, um, 2017, I went back to school, but I was still racing, still competing, like maybe making some finals, but like, wasn't really on the podium. And I kept thinking like, okay, just a little bit more, a little bit more, like I'm getting a little closer, right? Like I, I was, I was trying to give myself time. I was like, I got four years. I got, I've been, I've been at the high level. Like I can get back there. I just need some time. And, um, 2017, uh, Rock Hill worlds. Right. So I had prepped, I went there for like four weeks, um, and stayed and trained. Sean Gain was with me training. I was training with Sam and uh was feeling great like I I remember in the motos I I think I still had the second fastest hill time of the weekend there like behind maybe Alfredo or I think I tied Alfredo but we like I had the second fastest hill time of the weekend and I got like second in my first two rounds third round I I fudged up it was windy I didn't hit the berm jump I think Tugas was in my race too and Krieger's and uh, so then the, after the third round, it left me with lane eight for the eighth. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I, I still have a fast hill. This is like my home turf, right? I've ridden Rock Hill a thousand times. Same thing, same story. I'll be all right. So I actually came out pretty hot. Um, Kyle Evans was on, I think, lane one or two. I was in eight. And we kind of met in the middle. And we drag raced all the way to the corner. Uh, but then Trent Jones came under in the first corner and rode it pretty damn high. And then I ended up going over the corner and breaking my wrist. And so like, I just, you know, I remember thinking after that race, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like I just started putting all these pieces together. Like I had the time, time of it, like calling again and you've got to be kidding me. Like, so I'm going in for another surgery, right? I got four, four screws put in my wrist uh, in July of, uh, 17. So I was like, okay. And then there goes the, the rest of that year until grands and I like raced grands, but it was like, whatever. And so then, then you go into 2018 and then you start <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yeah. it's story of BMX, right? Like you just, totally. you have to go through these ups and downs and like, so I knew that, but at that point, man, I just, I, long story short, just kept training, kept working, you know, 2018, I got a few podiums uh usa bmx 2019 um like rock rockford i got one and then 2019 south park i got two so like but i, I but world cups i weren't i wasn't there i wasn't ready for it i i, I remember france um 2019 um you know i, I was off the funded team 
rightfully so wasn't wasn't really there but was still trying to make it and uh tickets were like 450 bucks round trip so i flew out mel with me and uh we made a little trip out of it but i didn't make it out of that like the first round I was in second or third came unclipped on the second straight so I had to go to the LCQ I <laughs> didn't make it out of the LCQ <laughs> and then it was like uh what the hell am I doing like you've like why like what am I doing here why am I doing this like I think this is it and so that was like kind of that was a really hard moment for me to realize like hey dude 2020 is 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 way too long of a shot so uh what do we do now that was that was kind of a that was a coming to Jesus moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What'd you, uh, what'd you do after that? Did you race after that again? I don't remember. Well, yeah. So I, I actually, um, and this is like kind of, I guess what really put the topping on all the cake was, um, yeah, 2019 was still again competing and USA BMX races were fine. Like I made a few mains and like was fighting for a podium, whatever. I flew over to Japan for a trip with Mongoose for a few days and um, it was a freaking blast. And I slept the whole flight home, like from Tokyo to San Fran. It was like a 10 hour flight. So I was sitting upright, leaned on the window. I took like three melatonin. I stayed up the whole night. Hell yeah. Standard. Standard. I could sleep, which is, which is really impressive that I slept the whole flight. But then, then I had a big week of training and lifting and, um, I remember like my back, like, and I remember before this, even my chiropractor at the training center was like, Hey, you're never going to squat over 315 again. I was like, good joke. So like, you know, of course I keep squatting heavy as crap and like deadlift. (laughs) And he's like, he's impressed by it. And he's like, Oh, if there's no pain, like you're good and blah, blah, blah. So long story short, I'm after that trip from Japan and then lifting and all this stuff, like my back starts feeling weird. And I'm like, dude, some, like something's going on. Something's not right. I keep like, went to a Cairo, went to a massage, went to this and that, and wasn't really getting it figured out. And, um, I competed in the last few races leading up to grands, but like was just kind of holding on for dear life. Cause my back was just like wanting to give out. And, um, 2019 thanks USA BMX. I had eight, seven, eight, my motos on the rock day and also for the grands day. And that was the year it was like, completely packed i don't know if you remember it was like a double roller triple but it was and it was like really short so there was like no chance for me to get out like it was it was absurd and uh so i raced and then i was like all right look i'll give it six weeks or so like plenty of downtime with the with the off season like i'll just let it heal up and then i'll get back to training like late january or something and um because i I, again i probably knew i wasn't gonna go for um tokyo but i was like hey i still still want to race and like race elite and finish out the year before I get like a true big boy job. Cause I was working part-time as you guys know at that yeah. point. And um, yeah, I took all that time off and then I like started training again. I was like, dude, my back is just, is totaled still. And so I went and saw a specialist and um, they came back and they were like, Hey, uh, nothing like super concerning, but you have three bulging discs. <laughs> One is pretty bad. And then they were like, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, you have like, a little bit of disc degeneration and stenosis. So like basically what happens is your, your discs that are between your vertebrae are, are just deteriorating. They're getting smaller and smaller. And so that puts pressure on your nerves, right? That go out. Cause I was starting to get like big toe issue, like sciatica in my butt, like that sort of stuff. And so they were like, okay, we can either inject you with like a lidocaine shot that maybe 
maybe give you a little bit of time or, you know, you start doing therapy and this and that. And I went to one of a, a trainer um, that like kind of specializes in this. And he was like, yeah, like you could totally still race, but you're going to have to like modify all your lifts and you're not going to be able to lift heavy. Like you're not going to be able to go over like whatever, 225 or something. And I was like, what's the point of racing then? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I mean, seriously, like it was just like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be able to get the stimulus uh, that I need out of lifting really light and trying to compete at an elite level. And so for those, I'm sure everybody's aware, but that's like really when I stopped racing. And so that was like, that was kind of the, okay, it's, it's time to move on. And I, I hated that it happened that way, but that was, that was what I was confronted with. Okay, so you never really got like a, an official, like final race or anything like that. Did you? No. So, I mean, the last race was grands of 2019 and then, you know, it, they came back and they said that, um, that my back was messed up, but that was like, I, you know, that was probably mid February of 2020. And so then I was already going to miss, um, Houston because, um, well, my back partially. And then it was like, Hey, we got these, we, Mel and I found these, uh, tickets to Thailand for 450 bucks round trip. And so we were like, hell yeah, let's go to Thailand. And so, we went to Thailand and then when we were in Thailand was when COVID really hit and they started shutting down all the flights from Europe back in and stuff. And so like, we were stressed, we were not going to be able to make it back in the country. And so I remember like, we were, you know, we were like, Oh, should we just stay? Or like, do we go get an earlier flight to make sure we get home? And then it was only like three days left in our trip. So we were like, okay, whatever. Like, well, well I'm sure they'll make it they'll get us back. But if not, like we had a $40 Airbnb on the beach and like foods, like 10 bucks for both of us total. And it was the best food ever. If we get stuck here, screw it. Now you're teaching these Thailand kids English, like work at a bar or whatever. Like we're just going to live it up. And so, um, long story short, you know, you get back, you have all those races canceled. And so it was like the back, the races being canceled, like everything started adding up for me. That was like, this is, this is it. This is your time to just, give it a rest so was it um was it hard to come to terms with at that point or what yeah. was the feeling about it yeah yeah I would say so just because of um I mean I was struggling to again always get back to that form of where I knew I could be and so it was like look like you've tried everything like it's just not gonna happen mm -hmm. and so that was that was hard and then <clears throat> originally it was like okay maybe I'll like race some pro-ams and like you know maybe I don't know, maybe race a pro at like some of these like pro open races or whatever. Um, but then like, just again, COVID kept rolling. And then it was like, honestly, I was lifting a little bit here and there and it would just hurt my back. And so I was like, why, why am I doing stuff that's going to just keep hurting it? Right. And so yeah, I, I can mountain bike and it doesn't hurt and I could ride the track itself and it wouldn't hurt. But the minute I started doing gate starts, it would hurt. And so it was like, okay, well, I mean, that's that. And so um, not saying it, it's, out of the realm to never do it again but like for what we've been through it's kind of like dude I've, I've given so much to it like i'm just not going to do something that's going to hurt it like why would i why would i put myself through that so yeah it gets to a point it's like what's the what's the risk isn't mm -hmm. worth it anymore the pain isn't worth it for the rest of your life kind of thing yeah and i was i was also at the point um you know i was paying the bills but it wasn't you know i wasn't saving and putting a bunch away or anything like that and so Mel and I also, you know, we, we knew that we wanted to start a family, have kids, that sort of stuff. And it's like, okay, well, 
like more power to, to Joris and, you know, Sylvan who've been able to have kids and keep racing. Like it's, it's honestly, it's really impressive. Um, yeah. I don't think they get enough credit because kids are a lot of freaking work. Like they are a lot of work, but I knew that I was not going to have a kid and race. Like it's too unstable. I could be hurt. I could this and that. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't going to be right for me. And so that was another thing that was like, okay, well, why don't I start, start venturing out into the business world, try to get, you know, get my feet wet, get some money and start moving forward with my career and my family. So, yeah. That's cool. So I take it that this is kind of like an official, this is like another one of those retirement pods, T. So this is the posy retirement. This, this is, is another one of those like, <laughs> show. Yeah. I, never, I never, well, so yeah, that kind of goes into another realm. Cause I, I know a lot of people are like, why didn't you ever post that you like retired? Like, never too late, Poe. Post coming this week, pal. <laughs> you, you guys can, you guys can post it. I feel really bad, but this is, you want my feelings on this? Here we go. Let's hear it. Gonna, right, right. Let's hear it. So two things with this is the first was, the first was that it was hard to come to grips that I was going to retire, mm-hmm. right? Like it was like, yep. okay, maybe I'll ride pro-ams. Maybe I'll like do some other stuff, like all that. And, and honestly, like I've still gone to a few races and I'm still a part of Mongoose and Answer. And so it's like, I'm still a part of things. Like I'm still helping them build their brand for Mongoose with riders and, you know, events and stuff like that. But it was like, I, I was hanging on to that. So it was like, okay, like maybe I'll be able to get back to it and, just slowly I've kind of been like okay no I can ride mountain bikes I can ride the track but I'm not going to race so it's like okay there's that the other thing and this is probably a you know interesting this is a hot take I guess is that I felt personally that I didn't do enough to warrant a like retirement post right or like retirement thing so like you know what I mean in a, in a way it's like mm-hmm. I know what you mean, but that's bullshit tired, right like he won seven Super Bowls he's the greatest of all time like even like some other sports guys that have like won these t- massive titles or like make millions of dollars like when they retire it's a big deal I won one elite race I got some podiums like made some World Cup mains like I don't know it just like it didn't feel like I warranted enough to be like oh I retired like from a sport that you know nobody really knows about and that's and it, again people that do it it's like totally okay and like that's like i i love seeing that and i love seeing like people's future and stuff like that so don't get me wrong but i just kind of wanted to just i don't know play it low-key do the herm route do the sean gain route where it's just like <laughs> it, is what, it is what it is like i mean i'm still around and you guys can you know call text whatever like we'll hang out <laughs> on social media but it wasn't like hey guys like you know i'm retiring like give me give me all this love because i deserve it like i, I didn't deserve yeah that. that's, well that's I, it is a hot take and i've thought about that a bunch of times mm-hmm. because it feels like in the past year or two we've seen a lot of people kind of make those posts and it's like right it's for you i think it's bullshit because i think you very well deserve to be able to say like i'm done i retired like it's i, agree, I don't know yeah. where the limit yeah. is but i've definitely thought about it and being like okay so what is the limit for somebody to be like that was my career i'm done and i always kind of figured it was like somebody who put everything into it and that was their, they were making like their living, like they were being able to like pay the bills and get by doing it. Like that was their career. It's kind of, it is weird when somebody is like, they do it as a side hobby. Maybe they only race a few races here and there within their own country. And then like, then they say, Oh yeah, I'm retiring. And it's like, did you ever like do that full time? But no, it's like you did. So I think you very well can. I don't know. What do you, what did your take on that T? Like what's the, what's the limit? Yeah, I agree with your I agree with your criteria because I think if you, yeah, I think if you're a top, like a good pro, especially because I mean 
Posey won a race, was on tons of podiums, yeah. was on the national team, made a living in the sport, had a good fan base. Fuck yeah, you, fuck yeah, you deserved like if you yeah. wanted to, deserved to like do that post. Yeah, but the fact that you didn't and you thought of it like that is is you know really respectable, I think too. Like and obviously, like you said, to each their own. Yeah. Well, and I think that too. Um, the more I've kind of ventured out, and maybe it's just me getting, I don't know, different, and it's it's like I'm thinking about things in, in retrospect of like life and it's like, okay, there's so many other things in life and that I want to accomplish and, and do. And um, I don't know, it's just, I don't know. It just didn't seem that important um, in a way. And, and some people ask yeah. me like, you should. And I was like, eh, I mean, I don't know. Like, sure. I'm, I'm done racing. Like, if that's what you want to hear. Then, then I'm done. <laughs> you know, hey. maybe maybe it would have been different if I would have made the team for the Olympic team, right? If I would have considered myself an Olympian, it could have been a different story. But I also, yeah. and, and who knows, maybe I'm swayed too because Herm's my boy and Herm just walked out like deuces. And so <laughs> I just saw that and I was like, yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody cares that much, right? Like, because this dude was <laughs> So. You no, I, I think you get to a point too where it's like you just, you care what you think and not what everybody else thinks. You don't really care if to post yeah, exactly. hear what they have to say. So, yeah. yeah what I, would you, um, what would you, if you, what would you tell yourself when you were younger? Now that like, especially when you retire, you can kind of look over everything uh, objectively and see things probably more clearly than you, than when you race. Cause I know that's certainly happened to me. What's, um, what's something you would have told a younger version of yourself? It's a great question T. Great question. Yeah, that's this. This is getting. This is deep. I love deep. these kind of questions. Make you think about it a little bit. It does, but honestly, I I, I don't know because everything I did was. What I mean, I you could just say "Don't overshoot in Colorado." That would work too. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo! What an asshole! Eh? <laughs> if, I, if I could take one moment of my life and redo it, that would be it. But hey, hey here we go. Here we go. Hot take. Here we go. Let's go. Um, I wouldn't change that. Um, I really hate to say that, but I would not change it. And the reason is, is because, I mean, it taught me a lot about myself and mm -hmm. like, you just like, I, it's so lame, but I heard this quote on TV the other day, uh, or actually it was in Batman. Sorry. We were watching Batman begins and, uh, Alfred said, I think it was Alfred said the reason we fall down is so we learn how to get back up. And it's like, okay, that's a lame quote, but it's so freaking true. Like, you yeah, it don't is. know what you're made of until you go like in the deepest, darkest place. And so like, I learned so much about myself of how to overcome adversity. And like, there's so many people that don't have these things that happen to them in life. Like they just skate by mm -hmm. with their college and nine to five and this and that, like they do not know how to overcome adversity. And that was like the biggest moment of my life. And honestly, part of why I, why I got my job today is because of what I went through. And honestly, uh, I'm in the spine division, which is pretty ironic. And so that's like, I talk about that all the time that I, that's what piqued my interest was, was my back and my spine. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. I, I think that's true too. Cause I, you know, I, I went through, a, I had a lot of bad injuries too and tough times like physically and emotionally, but I also wouldn't, wouldn't change it because it made me a better person and athlete through, each one that I went through. So like I'm in a way I'm thankful that, that I went through those two. Yeah. You can always kind of look back. I feel like too, like you look back when you go when another stage in life. And it's like, I went through that. Like if I can get through that, like I can take on whatever's coming at me kind of, kind of deal. Yeah. And like I said, that there's, there's the one race that I wish I could have um, gone back on. And that was Rotterdam 14. Cause I really felt like I should have made the main there. Um, but that's the only one I really, like I said, would, would go back and like redo. <laughs> yeah. Fair.
Yeah. So what is it you're doing now? You're saying with the spinal division, what is it now? Yeah. So um, I work for Stryker. It's a medical device company. Um, and so I am in the operating room for brain and spine surgeries. And so I run a navigation system that, so like if you're, if they're taking out a tumor in somebody's brain, uh, they can locate where that is. And then in the operating room, like as they're going to the tumor, they use these tools in our system to tell them where they are. Like, so, oh, you're four millimeters away or uh, okay, you're on the tumor, how much more do you need to take or whatever it is. Uh, for spine, um, they navigate those screws so they know that they're going through the pedicle and not hitting you know, the spinal cord or the junction or anything like that. And so they can also pre-plan how long the screws need to be and that sort of thing. So honestly, it's like, it's freaking cool. I love it. Um, it's, it's a fun schedule to like, I'm off right now, um, but Wednesday I have five cases, like I have five surgeries that I got to be there for. And so um, oh, damn. it definitely fits. Yeah. It definitely fits what I want to do, especially cause I had my nine to five for a little bit and I hated every second of it. Um, <laughs> sitting in front of a computer, like I would much rather be dealing with people be on the move. And then it's like, it's high stakes. Right. And it's, it's, it gets your adrenaline pumping. That's why I love it. It's, um, when there's a brain surgeon that's looking at you, like what is wrong and fix this. Like there's, a, there's a lot of pressure there. And so I, I love that. Cause it's, I mean, it's just like BMX, what we did for so many years. Yeah. So what, what exactly are you doing in the operating room? So, um, like, let, so for example, I set everything up and make sure that the system's running. So like for these brain surgeries, like I'm there to make sure that the um, registration goes appropriate so that they register the patient. It looks accurate. Um, if they need to change something on the system, I'm on that side to like change between a CT scan, an MRI scan. Um, I can answer any questions they have. If the navigation looks off, like, Hey, I don't think that's accurate or you're this far off. You know, I have to say something, but most of the time they'll, they'll tell me, um, for spine stuff. Um, they'll go in sometimes through the pedicle and then they'll ask you to basically like drop that screw or whatever, where they want that trajectory. And so you have to save it on the system and then they'll come in with a screw and, and follow it. So I, I'm just there for support. Like I'm not an engineer, but it's basically like technical engineering type deal. Like I'm there to troubleshoot and just make sure the case goes over well. Wow. Um, eventually, like it's kind of the stepping stone for like sales, but it, even in that sales, like you have to be in cases and surgeries to like build a relationship with the docs. And so that's, um, that's something that I, I've really enjoyed and will continue to enjoy, I think, um, as I keep going. Wild. What a job. Yeah. How what did, a job. Do Dr. Poe. <laughs> <laughs> how did you, how did you even get into that? Um, so I, when I was a kid, uh, two doors up from me, there was a professional or ex professional football player. Um, and he was in, he actually did spine implant. Okay. Uh, so like he, he put the screws and cages and all that stuff in and, I just saw his lifestyle, right? Like he had big, you know, big house, good, nice car. Like he had a flexible schedule. Like I'd be coming home from school at, at like noon or something. I, if it was like an early day and he's just out there working in the backyard. I'm like, dude, does this dude ever work? And then like, there's other days, you know, he's busy. And so, um, but it was also cool. Cause it was like, dude, this is, you know, he was a football player. This is anatomy. Like I've always loved anatomy, right. From BMX, like you want to know how the body works. And so I knew I wanted to do that, but I never was going to be a doctor. Like I, I do not have the book smart or the capacity to sit down and study for that long. Um, and so I kind of had that kind of piqued my interest from the start. And then as I got going with business, um, I like 
liked building relationships. I liked the business side of thing. But then the more I talked to people like Trent Johnson, who um, Elise's best friend, she was in her, her their wedding. Uh, her husband was an implant rep. And then I met like two other people that were other reps. And I was like, I got along with them so good. And they were like, you'd be great at this. And so it was like, the more I just, it kind of started pulling together. And I, I had a different job, but was looking for this the whole time because I also knew they wanted to hire athletes. And that's a huge thing because they know that athletes are determined, right? They're hardworking. They're Mm going to show up on time. They're going to give it their all. They know how to handle pressure, right? That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. And so it, like all those things kind of combined. And I was like, yeah, this seems like a really cool gig and I can make a lot of money at it. And so um, that's, I just kind of jumped head first into it and I got a job in, um, in this, in this space. And um, honestly uh, there's, there's some promotions out there that are hopefully close by. So um, yeah, we'll just keep digging. That's awesome. I think that's so cool. It's cool when you hear about like, like paths that athletes and other people, like they like to go on, go down after their athletic career. Something so like, different too. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah. And I I th- I thought it was great too because um we get wrapped up into BMX and BMX, 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 right? Like all we can think about is that. And it goes back to the school stuff too. It's like there's so much stuff out there that you know that you can do. And so I wanted to get out of it just to get some experience. And like like I said, I'm still involved with Mongoose and Nancer and stuff like that, but it's like I still want to try to excel elsewhere to learn new skills and to, to get to better myself in general, because I know the sport, like, like we all know that in the back of our head, but trying to get outside of the comfort zone and learn something different and, and become successful in business elsewhere is, you know, it's, it's hard, but it's fun. Yeah. That's cool. Speaking of answer, you wrote for uh, Answer BMX under John, with John for a number of years. How did you end up getting connected with him back in the day? Uh, Blake, Blake Sawyer. Um, well, and I guess Josh Myers. So um, I raced with Josh Myers um, growing up as a kid, and he was a Florida boy. And um, he was good friends with Sawyer at the time. And, you know, I, I raced against Blake. Blake and I are like 10 days apart on uh, birth dates. And so we, we were kind of racing together and kind of became buddies. And then Josh was again, good friends with them. And I was good friends with Josh. And uh, so I actually started going down there and hanging out at Blake's house. And Blake came up to our house to stay for some time and ride and hang out. And um, yeah, I would go down there for a week at a time when I was 16. And um, obviously you can imagine the shenanigans that would happen uh, (laughs) with John. Um, But that's just where the friendship started. And, uh, that dude has been nothing shy of amazing to me and my family, man. He's, um, he will take the shirt off his back for you. Um, if yeah. you're in that trust and, uh, there's something to be said about that, you know, like he can be a scary guy, right? Like he's pretty, he's pretty gnarly to talk to, but I tell you what, um, you give him respect and he shows it right back and he will, he will give the world to you if you can. hundred percent. And he, he'll always tell you like it is like, he's not, whatsoever a shady person like if he says he can do something he'll say it and do it and if not he'll just tell you and you know in bmx we know there's a lot of you know shady people so it's um it's really nice to have someone that's just straight up and honest and that you can trust like you said with anything that dude too like not a lot of people know his his full story and you know it's not my place to say everything but like he started from nothing like he started from nothing and he built 
multiple businesses and just like he he just killed it and so that was like that's another thing that like you gotta admire and you gotta appreciate is like he he literally had nothing and he's built these amazing companies and like you know yeah nice house nice cars all that stuff and it's like cool like that that dude's rich but he got rich because he knows how to work his ass off and he knows how to be a businessman and like i said i i think from a younger age you just appreciate those people that um work hard and and are good at business at least that's that's what interests me <laughs> yeah he he works his balls off no question yeah i love his uh um, his instagram bio it's just him i it's know his mantra it's like yeah work your balls off and play 10 times harder like that's just him and that's just awesome i fucking <laughs> yeah. love that <laughs> yeah i love it i know um well we got a bunch of quick shot questions for you poe are you familiar with the quick shot question segment oh gosh no yeah. Well, we just ask questions from from fans, and then just yeah, just quick quick answers like whatever comes to mind. Okay. Um, you ready, James? I'm yeah, gonna, I was, I was just open it. I got it now. Do I just have to fire them off quick? Is this like a one two? Yeah, yeah. Or it's supposed no, no, to be no, no, super like, quick. Doing like a little short answer, quick, but a lot of times no one ever does it. So just try your best. <laughs> I will start this one off. Hugo Oliveira, 51. What about the after parties in Santiago del Estero from a good friend? Oh, my gosh. What a time to be alive. <laughs> that was a time to be alive. That was incredible. I remember – yep, sorry. Here we go. Sorry, you got me on a rant already. Uh, all right. Made the final in Santiago del Estero, showed up at the bar, had every drink I ever wanted, and they just were just loading us up. And I do remember getting there, and it was like 10 p.m., and there was no one there. And I was Nobody. like, the world is going on, like – you gotta be kidding me they're like just wait just wait till midnight i'm like i'm probably asleep by midnight midnight hit and it was you couldn't move it was slammed and uh, it's crazy you just yeah partied the whole night and enjoyed every bit of it so i, I love it is absolutely just burned down delistero <laughs> oh, dude. me and james got there the one time or i think Connor was with us too we got there at like midnight and there was no one there and everyone shut up at like 1 a.m and we left, I remember I left at like something ridiculous, like 4 a.m. And people were still lining up to come in. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you It was people? a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Unreal. Um, from Jason Blodgett. Oh, Golf and hole-in-one experiences. You've got a hole-in-one before, haven't you? I have. I'm terrible at golf, but I got lucky and got a hole-in-one at my home course here in Newburgh. Um yeah, dude, just I hit the ball, had no idea where it is. And I like I couldn't see it in the sun. And my buddies are like, Oh, you're gonna like it. You're gonna like it. And then all of a sudden, I see it bounce once. And then it's gone. I was like, Oh, my God, did that really just happen? <laughs> so I drove up, you know, like kind of calm, but I'm like, Oh, my God, I think it's in there. And <laughs> enough, got it in there and um, immediately shotgun the beer, chugged a few more went to the brewery. And next thing you know, I'd slept on the floor of my bathroom. That Fantastic. It was Beautiful. good. It was a good time. Done right. <laughs> um, from Chase Hines, tell me your thoughts on Jaeger. Mm, I died on Jaeger in college. Um, <laughs> my buddies and I got a handle of Jaeger and went to a party, and they didn't really drink as much of it as I did. And um, tried Huge to fight a guy. lineman for no reason. Uh, tried to fight some other people for no reason. Um, and then Chase and Blodgett actually showed up that night and I tried to walk in a straight line and I couldn't for the life of me and slept <laughs> in the shower in the bathtub with some water running down on me. Man, this, these are back to back questions make me sound like an alcoholic. I swear I only have fun every now and then. Okay. <laughs> you just know I'd have a good time. We, we understand. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I will say, uh, 
I, I think that's why kind of Nick and Herm and some of them liked me was because, um, yeah, I definitely trained hard and like, but I also partied pretty hard. You know what? Let's keep on that train right now. Let's just go to Nick Long's question. Uh, what was your favorite bar in Amsterdam? Or in Amsterdam, the banana bar. Oh boy. <laughs> that's that he just says the banana bar po <laughs> banana bar was the time of our life i keep saying i think i said that for argentina but honestly i think this one this one beat it that was one of the, that was like the most memorable night i've had out that was insane um <laughs> that was so much fun if you go to amsterdam just look for literally a banana bar like there's literally a banana as a sign um only here of age people but yeah. um yeah, it was, it was a wild night. It was after Worlds in 2015, and actually the whole Team USA, like we just went out and had a night, and um, we had a freaking blast. It's the time. Um, from Race Twain 406, Yo Po, have you ever visited Kenwood's home state of Montana? No, but I need to. I want to live the Montana life. I need to, I need to go fishing and hunting and, and live in the wilderness. It place looks freaking beautiful. That's like the one state I haven't been. Well, I haven't been to Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming, and that's it. You've been to all the other states? That's it? Seriously? Yeah, I've been to everything else. God damn. Yeah. I want to go to, um, like, New York. I've never been to New York. That'd be cool. I'd also like to go to, like, the Northeast, like, Vermont or those places. They're, they're pretty cool, but, I mean, New York – takes a special person like you can go for a few days and have a blast and then like, get out of there like just yeah. get out like it's just so much but it's it, it honestly is pretty cool um it's it's crazy to see the lifestyle that they live too like again everybody's yeah. on top of each other but you know you can get anywhere with public transport and you know have a lot of good restaurants and this and that but um my my sister brother-in-law and niece live in brooklyn right now and you know they had a blast learned a ton but yeah after being there and visiting them they'll they won't be back and i could never live like a true city life yeah yeah i'll ask this one just because as you know people might like some usa bmx says which is your favorite po race po business po dad po golf po or party po <laughs> i like corporate po i like corporate <laughs> corporate <po. laughs> that was like the one of the original po's that came out was corporate that was <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. Is that a you, you guys question or is it a me? Cause it's like, I mean, I don't know. I, um, I don't know right now. We can answer it, James. I, I like, I like corporate Poe. Corporate Poe's a good one. I, Party Poe's a great Poe too. Party Poe's pretty fun. Good times. Yeah. Um, but I, I am pretty excited to be daddy Poe too. I was um, going to say that that's going to be a good one. I think. Are you excited for that? Yeah. Excited is a good word, but nervous is a better word. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep a human alive and obviously i can hardly keep myself alive but um <laughs> it's, it's gonna be fun man we're excited for the adventure and um excited for what's to come man i i tell you what watching mikey and like uh maris like become dads is, is so cool and like yeah the joy that they get and um like dude by the way mikey's kid is a absolute Dude, it is that kid, it's that outrageous. Has a, has a nicer swing than all of us combined. Straight it up. is outrageous. <laughs> it is outrageous how good his son is at golf. Like, so he told me this story that his so his, like they go to the range all the time and everything. But he had he woke up one morning. Mike did went downstairs in his house and his kid was in his diaper, like in the living room or in his underwear in the living room. And they have like a big mirror on the wall. 
and he was just practicing his golf swing, looking in the mirror and seeing how he was taking the, the club back in his backswing. Oh my God. <laughs> That's unreal. Incredible. He's going to play pro, that kid. 100%. Oh, I, it's so funny. Like, Maris is, like, is obviously a good golfer. And, uh, you know, he posted the other day that video of his kid just saying, BMX, BMX, BMX. And it's like, dude. You're, you're on the wrong sport, kid. You, <laughs> go hit the course, dude. Go get, the, go get on the course now. But, but that's, that's the other thing, man. It's so crazy because, um, you know, I have no idea what my kid's going to do. And everybody's like, ah, oh, you're going to race BMX. I'm like, yeah, I probably would try it at some point. But I, who knows if that kid wants yeah. to, you know, play soccer, play baseball, play golf. I hope it wants to play golf. Let's be honest. And yeah. I can go play golf and – they can drive the cart and I'll drink the beers, but um, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Whatever they want to do. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, Chipotle or In and Out? Mm, Chipotle. You know what, James? I feel like a lot more people say Chipotle than In and Out. I get really disappointed when people say Chipotle. Yeah. I mean, it's just like In and Out is just In and Out. Well, yeah. first of all, the answer is wrong, and yeah, so no, it's cracked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I let, uh, this is, Chipotle is good, and it used to be, like, the staple of yep. everything. But um, I'm only saying it because it's just, like, Chipotle is always going to be solid. And, I mean, in and outs pretty solid. But, like, it's just not – it's not what every – like, everybody wants to fly to California just to have it. It's like, dude, it's not that great. That's crazy. Um, I blew myself out on Chipotle when I was younger, I think. Yeah. You mean, like, two years ago? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like three years ago in Albuquerque. <laughs> uh, this question might be up for debate, but okay. it's I just have a question here. So when you guys get out of the shower, okay, you finish your shower, do you, A, step out of the shower right away, then dry off, or B, yes. you just you dry off in the shower, then step out onto the bath mat, and then maybe I'm finish big, drying I your legs? I step out right away onto the little onto I, the mat, and then dry off on the mat. <laughs> Oh. You, I know that because you just soak the mat every time. T. Whenever, <laughs> yeah, whenever we be in a hotel like I that, step, I would be soaked after your shower. So I knew that. Yeah, I step out. I never dry off in the shower. Um, I actually I dry off a bit in the shower uh, and then step out. But honestly, I used to be that way, Tori. But the way our bathroom is, at least in this house, is it's really tight, and um, like I can't really step out without just soaking the ground and or like running mm. stuff so i i gotta get a little dry before i get out so i also don't want to ruin our floors <laughs> <laughs> like it changes when you buy a house like if it was an apartment yeah or hotel, yeah, yeah i don't care at a hotel i'll step out do whatever but like now that's in my house i'm like yeah i'll dry off i'll make sure i don't ruin the floor and the reason i step out and do it because inside the shower it's still humid so it's hard to dry off if it's hot and humid in the shower yeah, depending on how big the shower is, and you can't move, you know, you can't get your shoulders mm, up, yeah. move it around, right? So, I mean, I can get yeah. you there, but, um, yeah. yeah. How about you, James? I'm a, I'm a dry mostly off in the shower, and then I'll step out basically when I'm finished. Finished drying off. Yeah. I don't like to soak mm. the mat, because then if you're doing stuff, the mat's just always wet, and yeah, I don't like yeah, it. That's true. Yeah. I don't think it's uh, right or wrong, but, you know, you're wrong. Um, favorite <laughs> Netflix show right now? Um, Ozark. We already finished it though. Um, Ozark was legit. And then I've uh, been watching a lot of Blacklist. You know, I started watching that like a week or so ago. Blacklist is awesome. It is yeah. a lot of episodes, but um, honestly, it just keeps bringing me back. So I'm I'm hammering it out. I'm on like season five um, of, of Blacklist. I think there's eight. 
I've been on uh, Narcos Mexico. I've been watching Narcos Mexico lately. I would like to watch that. Mm. It's all right. The, the first Narcos, the Colombian one, was way better. But this one's still pretty good. Have you guys watched Sons of Anarchy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it is it all like I watched one ep- one episode with my parents it's last phenomenal night? Is it show. worth it? Phen- like the first episode show. really didn't do much for me. It's excellent. Mm. It gets super gnarly. It's good. Yeah. I'm a yeah. big fan. They're coming up with another show that's like Sons of Anarchy, right? Or and it's got like almost the same crew. Really? I don't know what it is. I saw something about it the other day though. That's cool, though. But yeah, James, it's really good. Oh, I might have to check that out, or at least continue yeah. giving it a shot. It gets super intense. It's good. Um, this isn't really a quick shot question, but I think it could be. It just might take a little thinking. I've asked it a few times now, and I really like asking people it. Um, what do you think, or what is, where's the question? I wrote it down. I'll just say it. What's one piece of advice that was given to you that just sticks out in your head? That's a good one. Um, one piece of advice that sticks out to me. Um, you know, I told that story about German earlier. Um, that, I mean, that sticks out to me, uh, probably the most just because, I mean, you never know what's going to happen and you just have to go out there and just give it your all every time. So I would say that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, you know, I'd have to think a little bit harder. Some of these questions are a little tough now. That's a, that's a hard one, I know. Yeah. I just I like to hear because sometimes people have like that one thing that sticks out. There's and and I get that. There's there's so many people that have given me advice through the years that like I feel bad if I don't say some of them right. Like, yeah. um, but I mean, and there's definitely people that I rely on for advice, like um, like Mark Hayes. So Mason Hayes, who rides for Mongoose Twelve X, um, his dad. Yeah, I go to him for advice all the time. Um, he's 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 got a lot of wisdom, so I go to him quite often for stuff. He's he's got a lot of a lot of good quotes. That's cool. Um, I'm out, James. You got any more? Um, I, last one. This is kind of similar, but I think you might be able to answer this one a little easier. What do you think is the biggest positive attribute about yourself that led to you having the, the success you did? BMX? Oh shit, that's a good one. What's the positive attribute that made me successful? Something about yourself that, you know, what was it about yourself? What was something positive about yourself that you're like, you look back, you're like, I was really resilient. Like that's, I think that's what got me to be so successful. Whatever it is you, about you. Um, you know, this, I, I think there's like, there's a little bit to unpack here. It's because um, like, if we're talking, like my, my personality, I'm a people person. Like I love building relationships. Like I love talking to people. It's no stranger. Like if you come up to me, I'm going to talk to you for an hour. Right. Like I just, that's, that's who I am. I think that that probably in itself is with business and in life also helped me in BMX because I built a lot of great relationships that put me in the spot. I, I ended up being successful at because like I, I would have quit racing a long time ago if it wasn't for that, because when I was 13, I was tiny. I'm sure some of you guys remember this, but I was tiny and people were going through puberty. And I was like, like a Disney cup one year, Rusty was coming out of the first corner and I was like on the double going into it. Like I was just, I had no power and I was just getting smashed everywhere. And I wanted to quit so bad, but 
I built relationships with, again, like Josh Myers, his dad, um, Bob O'Gorman, who like he won a cruiser title back in the day. He's an older guy, um, him. Uh, and then uh, like Jeff Upshaw, his dad was a big mentor for me. Um, like there were so many people that had my back and, um, you know, told me not to give up and like really, really helped me get through those hard times of not making even out of moto sometimes, um, that, that really played a big role in my success because I would have given it up long, long time before that. So like I, I struggled a lot and then I learned actually how to pass some people. So then when I actually started hitting puberty and getting some, some power, like 15, 16, like I was actually able to make passes for first or make passes for second or vice versa, rather than just winning every single lap. Like when I was younger, you know, the NBL titles, like you said, Tori, like I won quite a few and like I was fast. Yeah. But then I hit a pretty bad spell there for a bit, but it actually, it helped me later on in, in my career, I think. That's cool. I really like that. You do seem like the people person. You're a talker. You're just a, everyone that comes over you just ends up talking, has a good time. Yeah, let's bullshit. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People's Poe. People Poe. Hey. Yeah. Well, Matt, we really appreciate you coming on, Poe. It was fun to chat about your career with you. No doubt you had an awesome one. and I'm really happy you're enjoying enjoying life now it's good to see you a few months ago and stay with you overnight dude i'm so sorry about having to chop down a tree at 9 a.m when you get in at 6 a.m that was that was brutal i felt so bad for that but i was like i can't tell three people not to come over so the best part was i rolled to poe's house at like 5 a.m or 6 a.m after driving all night he just answers like half asleep in his underwear at the Hey, I was I was ready for you. I think I woke up to the text or whatever, and you were like, "Oh, I'm here." I was like, "Sweet, I'll let you in." <laughs> yeah, it's it is oh. it is funny too because I like I wake up so early now because surgery starts so early, and uh, yeah, dude, I used to sleep until like 11 a.m. Like I can sleep <laughs> easily, but now I'm I'm up at like if I don't have an alarm, it's still like between six and seven. But you know, I get up at like you know usually five thirty. Crazy. Yeah, it's fun. it's funny how that internal clock works once you start getting up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you again, Poe. I mean, we've had some great guests on the show, but this is one of my favorite podcasts uh, we've had. Just chatting with you, hearing some of those stories, and you're a great storyteller, so that really helps too. So yeah, me too. Love you, pal. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, guys. It was fun. Um, like I said, it's kind of I don't know. It's fun to chat with you guys too because there's a little bit more than than just like this podcast was fun because it wasn't just again gears and this and that. Like it's life stuff and um bmx has done a lot for me it does a lot for other people and there's there's so much mm-hmm. with the sport right like like i said i wouldn't change anything for for i wouldn't change my entire life because bmx put me in the position it is and it taught me a lot of great le- lessons and hope it does the same for others out there yeah i think it will yeah definitely well thanks Bo. take care buddy see you guys appreciate it see you, bro. Later, JP. you too later Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? Get off my back, guys. <laughs> you have to be fast in the truck. I hate that guy. <laughs>